Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Welcome to the World in Sport. I'm Coroy Hawkins. This week, Samoa's hosting of the Pacific Games is hailed as a success. Tokelau celebrates its record participation at the Games, and Fiji are gutted after missing out on a spot for the 2021 Women's Rugby League World Cup. The 2019 Pacific Games have come to a close after two weeks of competition in Samoa. Over 4,000 athletes from 24 nations participated in the 27 sports, with New Caledonia coming out on top of the medals tally ahead of Papua New Guinea and Samoa. Samoa was only awarded the hosting rights in September of 2017 after the Tongan government claimed it could not afford to stage the event. Pacific Games Office Chief Executive Falefata Helematatia says staging the Games was a big challenge, but Samoa delivered. I think it's in our DNA for Samoans to, um, to take on a challenge. Uh, and we're always very, uh, we're, we're proud people to, to do well and to excel well, but also very hospitable people. And it's in our culture to do things and to do it well. And I applaud the, the Prime Minister for his um, vision, but his love for sports as well um, and for our young people. Uh, not only that it has given a chance for our uh, sports to, to do well, but also to give the opportunities for our young people to see for themselves what these big events mean for them, but also to celebrate our young people that are involved. So, but also just good to see a lot of our young athletes uh, involved in a lot of these sports and giving them the opportunity to put their hand up to represent Samoa and the region in these games. So it's been a big blessing for Samoa, not only for the sports sector, but for Samoa's economy as well, um, to bring in, uh, to host these games, but as well to bring a lot of foot traffic in the the tourism industry. And what would you say is the big legacy of this Games, or what do you hope will be the legacy uh, going forward? Uh, most of the sporting venues were already in place. Obviously, there were refurbishments, and the Aquatic Centre was new, uh, which I guess local athletes now get the benefit of using those facilities uh, for years and decades to come. But, you know, you talk a lot about the young people, and I think the Prime Minister said something similar when I spoke to him, that, you know, what, what, what do you hope these Games will, will, will do for the next generations of Samoa? Absolutely, you're right there, Winnie. I mean, the legacy is on our people, is growing our people, growing our administrators, our sports administration, uh, our sports administrators, our technical officials, so that we're ready to host bigger events than these, and that we can can do these games. We can do these games, uh, and that's the, the legacy for for me personally has been about growing young leaders. Uh, in our sporting sector as well as in our public sector as well, which is really, really good. Really good to see these uh, young people put their hand up. So not only just for sports alone, but the different uh, work streams that we've had to have young people lead in these 
particular services um, that we've had to, to host these games. So for me, that's it. But also putting in into perspective a a change in a continuous sporting, basically putting our hand up to host more regional competitions and host more regional games um, and, and for Samoa to become the, the regional hub of the Pacific region uh, in hosting big events like this so that we don't have to wait for the four years for the Pacific Games to happen, but we can still host other international competition to not only build uh, the capability of our athletes, but also our technical officials to host bigger events uh, such as this. And, and on a personal note, what, what, what would you say was the highlight for you? Uh, maybe it was just watching one of the sports, or maybe it was something in terms of the organisational aspect of the Games, and, and, and what was the biggest challenge or that you faced in the games. I know there was a few venue changes and the the weather at times. Uh, a bit of rain there uh, caused uh, some drama early on. But tell um, yeah, me, what was your most memorable and, and most challenging moment for the games? Do you think my biggest highlight was God coming through for the games? It was the faith component about this whole thing and about God giving us the opportunity, God giving us everything that we wanted in these games were a miracle itself. Even the the rain holding just for the opening ceremony to happen was a blessing itself. Come the closing ceremony as well was another highlight because it poured throughout the, the whole day, came to the closing ceremony, and it, uh, the sky held up. And I think for me personally, the highlight has been, been the core about this project and God blessing Samoa with this opportunity with uh, for our people as well. And I mean, it may not make sense other people but for me personally that has been the biggest part of these games and the biggest highlight for me has been about about that challenging we'll always have challenges i think the challenging part about these games was the time frame that we were given but it was also another factor another challenge but it was also uh, another boost for us because it made made us work uh, over time and over meant that we had to have a lot of contingency plans in places in place to prepare ourselves so even for weather and uh, the venue changes for a lot we were ready for all of that it was a challenge but also a, a blessing at the same time that we we have these plans in place but we also have uh, contingency plans for for all of the, the natural issues that we couldn't foresee for ourselves but overall, just blessed to be part of part of the games and part of the change that we want to see and for the future of um, sports in and, uh, and And just finally, I, uh, I met with the Solomon Islands team that will be hosting the next games in 2023. Uh, having gone through a whirlwind couple of years, Halle, what would uh, what, what would one piece of advice or, or message be for the, that you might have for the, the next host of the Pacific Games? Don't forget about your people. Take your people with you in the, on the journey. That's what I um, I spoke to the Solomon Island team about. Don't forget to invest in your people. Invest in your people. Take your people with you on a journey. You will rely on them during the, the crunch time, and they will come through for you if you honour them as well. Pacific Games Office Chief Executive Falefanta Helematatea speaking there to Vinnie Wiley. Still on the games, while Tokelau did not make a big impact on the medals table in Samoa, winning just one bronze medal in lawn bowls, the New Zealand Territory, which has a population of just around 1,500 people, did manage to send a record 56 athletes to Apia to compete in seven sports. Judoka Elai Ualesi Elekana Manu told Vini Wiley that signifies huge progress from the previous games when only one self-funded athlete made it to Port Moresby. 
It's very encouraging, very positive to um, have such a big team, so much representation at this level uh, compared to previous years. And uh, I can see that for Tokelau, all around the world, they've shown a lot of interest in uh, these particular games because of um, so many people involved in it. It's, it's great. You know, you won a bronze medal in Vanuatu. I know you're a bit disappointed not to <laughs> not to repeat this time. Yeah, I'm oh, very disappointed. Um, both days of my competition, reaching um, the bronze um, medal match and uh, coming so close. This is actually the first international comp that I've entered that I haven't come away with a medal, so it's a, a new feeling for me. But um, because of so many positive messages that I've received uh, online, you know, calls of family, it's actually kind of reaffirmed my being here. It's, it's like more than than medals. Um, it's just been encouraging for me because it has been playing on my mind a lot that uh, I've actually left empty-handed this time. But of course, uh, in one of those uh, categories, you, you're actually concussed, so uh, that, that probably didn't help your chances. Yeah, um, before my um, bronze medal yesterday. Um, Getting into that match, I was concussed. I can't remember that I won that match, and I just remember waking up upstairs crying. And then I realised that I had to fight another one. <laughs> I lied to the doctor to just uh, he would let me compete. And uh, yeah, my head wasn't in there. I, I had a chest infection as well um, before the comp. So just having uh, these obstacles, I've been asking um, upstairs like. Why is this happening? But I think there's a bigger picture here, which, yeah, it'll come to me in the future. But, but of course, uh, Eli, this isn't even your, your chosen sport, really. Your, your first love is wrestling, which uh, I understand is hopefully going to be back on the uh, games agenda at the mini-games in two years' time in, in CNMI. That must be exciting. Yes, uh, I'm very excited. Um, and yes, wrestling is my, my first love um, with uh, these sports. It's connected to um, our culture sport of Whangatua, beach wrestling. But in saying that, uh, taking on judo, it's actually brought a, a new love as well with the sport of judo. And it, I think that us in Tokelau being able to develop both sports would be great because we don't need um, too many resources to be able to be competitive. And it's something I feel come naturally to us. I imagine there are skills too that um, translate between the two. Oh, definitely. And the, the big example was me competing in Vanuatu with uh, limited uh, knowledge of judo and just basically relying on my wrestling background to get me through the competition. And yeah, I was able to come away with a bronze that time. So. Uh, definitely transferable skills there. That was your first, back in Vanuatu, that was your first ever judo competition? Yeah, yeah it was. Yeah. And so here we are almost two years later, and ha- I mean, how many hours would you say you've, you've dedicated to judo in that time? Um, I'd say I kind of crammed them all into um, end of last year and, and beginning of this year. I actually feel like I, I knew a, a lot more. I felt actually a bit more better prepared. Um, even my weight cut, everything, managing my fitness level, everything was actually put me in the best position to come here and, and do a lot better. So um, having things like I feel was a bit out of my control, like the chest infection and a bit of bad luck, but in saying that, oh, yeah, I'm still a bit gutted about it, but encouraged by, by everyone's support. And um, so, you know, we've talked about Tokelau having a much bigger team here in uh, Samoa for these games. I mean, how, how many sports and athletes have uh, have you guys got here? In total, I think we're, we're looking at over 50 um, athletes and uh, 
uh, management. And competing obviously in judo, competed in uh, touch rugby, yeah. rugby league nines. Rugby league nines, we had the vaka team, we had a swimmer, um, judo uh, and yeah, lawn bowls. And uh, yeah, also shout out to our lawn bowls team who, who won our, our only medal at these games, uh, bronze medal in the, the men's peers. And there's, there's clearly people like yourself who were very passionate about Tokelau and sport in Tokelau. Uh, mm. You know, four years ago, your squash player was self-funded. You were self-funded two years ago. Uh, the majority of athletes, so this time around, have been funded by by Tokelau Sport. Yeah, and I, I think that's uh, an encouraging sign for Tokelau having um, sports being being funded by the government. It shows that they're starting to get behind us and seeing the value of representation at these type of games. With the more and more Tokelau are seeing at this level of sport, the more our youth will be inspired to, to take on different codes of sport and, and look to represent our small country on a bigger stage. So I think it's, it's encouraging. And I suppose the Pacific Games is the obvious first step, isn't it, for a place like Tokelau? Um, this is you know, a, a really ideal opportunity for a lot of these uh, aspiring athletes to get that exposure because anything higher up than this is, is, is pretty high level. Yeah, definitely. For for us, um, Oceania champs realistically is is the highest we could can go because of the structure of uh, uh, the sports organisations with Tokelau being non-self-governing. Um, an example of that was when I qualified for the world champs, I, I was unable to compete under Tokelau. I had to go under New Zealand. So um, until something is is done on that side of sport um, around the governance of it. Uh, basically our cap is Oceania. Judoka Eli Uelesi Elekana Manu speaking there again to Vinnie Wiley. The Fiji Women's Rugby League team are gutted after being left out of the 2021 World Cup. Eight teams will feature at the tournament in England, but despite thrashing Papua New Guinea in last month's Pacific Test, the Bulikula won't be among them. Four weeks ago, they made their international debut, thrashing the Papua New Guinea Orchids 28-0 in Sydney, while two weeks ago they won a gold medal at the Pacific Games in the inaugural Women's Rugby League Nines competition. But Rugby League World Cup Chief Executive John Dutton says not everyone could be included and the organising body was determined to have a good spread of nations involved. It's worth reflecting that that 50% of the nations are from Asia-Pacific and it's quite unusual that in a tournament that's actually going to be staged in Europe only a quarter, 25% of the nations are from Europe. We were very keen to have the maximum number of continents uh, playing uh, and obviously we have Europe, uh, Asia-Pacific, North America and for the first time ever South America. So specifically with the Pacific nations, um, obviously when we agreed it would be four out of the eight, uh, Australia and New Zealand uh, were a very, very easy decision. Um, And then it came down to uh, the Cook Islands, uh, Papua New Guinea, uh, and in particular uh, Fiji. And it's fair to say that the real determining factor uh, was, first of all, the fact that uh, Papua New Guinea and the Cook Islands had played in 17, and secondly, the world ranking that they have at this particular time. Uh, so it's uh, it's such a shame that Fiji, who are doing great things, have missed out. Um, uh, but it's also quite pleasing that um, we had so many applicants and um, Fiji were not the only ones to miss out. There were many uh, nations that um, didn't get the opportunity to play in 21. Uh, so on the back of that, what we are uh, going to run is an emerging nations uh, women's tournament. Uh, so we will run that uh, as well as the 
uh, as well as the World Cup, and hopefully that will help convince the International Federation that, that the qualification tournament is needed for the World Cup in 2025 because you know there's such a level of interest and such high level of participation. So, so when would that uh, Emerging Nations tournament be likely to be held? Yeah. Yeah, so, so we, we'll run that as part of our uh, what we call the Festival of World Cups in July 2021. Uh, so that will be run um, in the north of England, um, obviously um, linked to the World Cup, uh, branded. Um, and um, we know there's lots of interest from from Europe. Um, as I referenced before, only a quarter of the nations in the tournament will be European, but actually there's a real uh, growing uh, strength from nations like Wales um, and Scotland uh, and Italy uh, that hopefully will uh, come and take part in that tournament. So, unfortunately, it's hard to deliver bad news, in particular where nations are doing really great things and conscious of what Fiji did in the... Pacific Games Nines, um, but it's also uh, good to reflect that there's such a great level of interest, and um, I'd rather be saying no to people than um, knocking on people's doors and asking them to join the tournament. Sure, and so you say that each country that was interested in being a part of the World Cup, they had to apply? An application, and it was done on three different criteria. The first was around the strength uh, of the nation, so looking at past performance in World Cups, looking at the world ranking. Uh, the second area was about the development being undertaken by the nation, both um, domestically and internationally. And the third was was with a sort of value to the World Cup um, uh, from broadcast, commercial, uh, etc. First, say if you talk specifically about um, Fiji, Cook Islands, and Papua New Guinea, there was nothing really between them and the determining factor ultimately came down to world ranking. And so are you able to tell me how many countries in total applied for those eight spots? I think it was at 18 applied for five spots. We'd already predetermined that Australia was the holders, uh, England as the host, and New Zealand uh, as number two in the world uh, w- would already pre-qualify. Uh, so I think it was 18 for five uh, places. From, from the perspective, you know, you, you use Fiji as obviously an example there. They beat Papua New Guinea. They, as you say, um, had some success at the Pacific Games recently. Um, so, from their point of view, having only just made their debut in International Women's Rugby League, only played that one test match, through no fault of their own, I guess, just because of that criteria, there was kind of nothing more they could do, I guess, at this point in time. It's just probably that it was a bit too late down the process. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's a very fair summary. Um, I, I think it's just uh, it's a snapshot in time. We, 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 we do things quite early uh, here in the UK, so, so we, 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 we thanks to starting this project way back in 2015. Um, so many people probably have been surprised that we've made this decision now. Uh, the reason we've made the decision now is to promote the tournament. We've got some really ambitious uh, ticket sales targets. We're doing our draw in November, uh, which will be a very big public event. Uh, so I guess for Fiji, if we'd have made our decisions, and for others, not just Fiji, um, if we'd made our decisions in 12 or 18 months' time, we may have got a different result, but the line had to be drawn somewhere. Uh, and, and, and in fairness to everyone, we, we, we started this in November. So it, this is, hasn't been a sort of two or three week process. This has been a really extensive uh, application and, um, and evaluation process. Rugby League World Cup Chief Executive John Dutton. And that's the World in Sport for this week. Thanks for listening. There's more on our website, rnzi.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. 
For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.